Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comment Section, a show where we talk about entertainment news from movies, television, and we always fall down that rabbit hole into off-topic stuff. All the time. This is another classic format episode like we used to do in the old days, so we're just going to be talking about some uh, news that stuck out to us. But uh, first, I know we had a segment you wanted to get into. Yes. So let's now, get right into that. Yes. Now, normally, we do this for unwanted answers, but kind of some big stuff. I mean, technically, I guess if you listen to unwanted answers, you listen to this as well, right? That's why I assume. Yeah, they're kindred shows. They're sister shows. Yes. They're uh, married cousins, in a way. Oh, exactly. Um, that's weird. Um, but, the, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's like not necessarily Eleanor true. and FDR. Yeah, uh, I think... Unwanted Answers is like the disappointment um, actor child who really yes. wants to be like, who really wants to be famous and it's just not cutting it. Yes. Like it, the the parents are just like constantly disappointed, but then like you've got some people who's just like really rooting for it, but overall it's just kind of this weird. What is it? Red redheaded. It's the redheaded tri stepchild. Yes. Um, comment section is the one who chose to be a doctor. Oh yes, they uh, got the real job. Yeah, but but the the thing that the sad thing behind this is that while uh, unwanted answers, that child is less successful and has less money. I mean, they've only got a penny. Oh, exactly. Um, and isn't doing things in society's grain. Uh, oh yes, it's ultimately happier. Whereas behind the scenes. <laughs> the brother comment section is an absolute drunkard. Oh yes, and constantly going they, to the bar. Yeah, it's yeah, it's they're miserable, but they yes. are a doctor and a lawyer. So they get more anyway. prestige, more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so it's it's a more traditional kind of podcast. You've heard this kind of thing before, but that drunkardness is the rabbit hole. Oh yes, and. <laughs> Maybe we'll start doing rabbit hole questions and slurred speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're falling down that rabbit hole again. Yeah. Boy, it's too. Far. It's yeah. It's too bad I don't drink because uh, an episode <laughs> where we uh, keep recording until I'm too drunk to keep a uh, answering rabbit hole questions would be great. But I don't know. Maybe I could drink caffeine or something. That kind of oh yeah. That kind of whacks me out. Sounds so fun to have a bad drink. A bad-tasting liquid that will yeah. make you pass out, and then you'll wake yeah. up with a bad headache. Yeah, I just feel like Unwanted Answers is the one you would think that they're the one with the alcohol problem, but they're not. They're no. just kind of eccentric. Comment yes. section is the one with the drinking problem. They're the ones that live kind of in the woods by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, the, on the outside, their life seems put together, and it's not. Yes. Um, anyway, I was in trying to do a quick intro. Yes. That happened, early rabbit hole, but I think it was worth yes. it. We'll try to keep lore. our time capsule thing short. So, <clears throat> yeah. for the past, what has it been now, year and a half? Something like um, that. I don't COVID. know, this whole pandemic thing? Yeah. yeah it's been uh, a year and a few months. Yes. So, I may have spoken a little bit too early last time we did this because I said like a fool like a fool and I blamed myself partially you jinxed something didn't for you for saying 
I think we'll be able to retire this segment soon. But uh-huh. yet, yeah. some stuff has been happening that we probably should mention. You know, for future generations to look back on and and, yeah. and get the answers to, hey, why are the millennial generation, when they're so old, why are they such a-holes? Now you know mm-hmm. why. So, yeah. And this, this uh, time capsule is a, a glimpse into that. Yes. You can look back and see how we felt back in, I don't know, last last summer, yes. a year ago, uh, when things were maybe looking slightly hopeful for the first time, but oh, who yes. knows, and how it got really, really bad again, yes. and then got a little better again. So where are we now? It, today is J- July 23rd, 23rd, 2021. Yes, well, oh, Cases of COVID are rising again. They are ever rising for the first time in a while. Specifically in, uh, from what I heard of this, it's mostly like in, for un- unsurprisingly, un- unvaccinated people, yes, right? Yes, like, because if you don't get vaccinated, <clears throat> you don't have, it's not going to work. You think you can just yeah. be like, you can't just will it in yourself and be like, I will be safe. No, <laughs> you got to get that shot. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, really, really, like, miraculously good things that turned out to be true that I think we take for granted because one thing that, uh, at, a, at a certain point, like, we didn't know whether a vaccine could be developed effectively or how effective it would be. Like, if one could even be developed around it and, and how and that it would maybe take even a year or two longer to make an effective one. And then we got, we we have one earlier than I think I expected. Uh, yes. That's uh, pretty easy to get, at least in the U.S. Did you think we'd have one by now, or would they still, the scientists be still be working on their phone? I maybe thought by now, but I, I think, like, it's, it's, the thing that's most impressive to me is because in my, like, cynical research towards the beginning of this, I was questioning whether it was possible to have a vaccine this effective at keeping the virus at bay. Like, one that genuinely, just if, like, everyone got it, it would just be killed. <laughs> like, some variants a little bit, but, like, uh, I think there are some projections. I don't know if this is earlier on and what it is now, but it's, like, 90% effective, really, and that is... Like, a lot of vaccines that people get for other illnesses are less effective than that. They're still good to get because it, any decrease in the chance that you'll contract something or die from it is good, even if it's, like, 60% effective. But, like, 80 90%, that's, like, really a really, really effective vaccine, and it was developed in, like, a year and... Uh, but we somehow found a way to still mess it up. Yes. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> now, I won't lie. When they first announced the vaccine was ready, I was like, I don't know. Could it have been a little rushed? But the one thing that will make you say, screw it. Screw whatever consequences happen later. Yeah. Is once you have it, you never yes. want to have it again. Yes. <laughs> Which we yes. both can say. Yes. And that's like... like um. Uh, one thing I still even I, I still see some people will say stuff like I just don't know 
what the long-term side effects of the vaccine are yet or like um <clears throat> but like i'll say i i got it and have antibodies from having covid so you could almost imagine that i would have some route of excuse to say like yes. oh i don't need the vaccine i had it but what i'm saying is this does this virus sucks so much yes. that i don't even give a crap what is in this vaccine <laughs> if this if i don't get this ever again i'm in yes it, it, it's truly awful it is the most sick I've ever been, and I, I oh, think yes. I, I think even I forget that sometimes. Like I feel like I'm exaggerating my own past, gaslighting myself uh, from my own memories. But it is the most sick I have ever been in my life. Oh yes, and I don't know. I think you're the only other person I have heard talk about it. But the worst sore throat I've ever had. Like yeah, that, that's like swallowing uh, razors. Yeah, that's one thing that we particularly had in common that I did. Like, I know other people who, who got COVID and they didn't necessarily have that experience. See, but that's yeah, not fair. my my throat, like I was probably horrifically dehydrated and I was in constant agony because of my horrible sore throat. Yes. Like, I didn't even really have like a lot of like some of the major symptoms like the like I didn't really have breathing problems or coughing. I, I've mentioned. Which are a lot of, for a lot of people the worst part, yeah. but my sore throat and fatigue was the worst it's ever been in my life. Oh, there yeah. were times I was afraid I wouldn't be able to like have the energy to get up to like go to the bathroom, and I'd somehow find a way. <laughs> you were like, <laughs> your mom is like, gonna have to just on, stay you gotta here. Get up! I'm not <laughs> those and you say, mom, I've got the, I've got the deadly virus. If I soil myself, it's not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah, I know. Just throw I can't possibly some feel worse hammer in the this washing moment. machine. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to burn all these sheets out. anyway. <laughs> I have to burn all these sheets anyway. Why even bother? <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, I think for me, it was the sore throat. I was tired all the time. And I guess I had, like, headaches, like, all the time, too. Which I don't even remember, but I'm yeah. told I complained about it a lot. Right. Yeah. I'm, I might have had just an ambient, constant headache the entire time, but I barely even remember, because the worst part and most long-lasting part was the sore throat. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was the worst part. Now, some places, I've heard, are bringing back restrictions and masks. <coughs> I think California is a place, or at least parts of mm -hmm. California are bringing back, like, mask yes. mandates. Yes. Which is not a bad idea. I think they're talking yeah. about, like mask mandates for schools mm -hmm. yeah i think it's definitely something that we should look at what's going on and respond to that in a rational way yeah so if things get worse so last episode time we did a time capsule i asked you did you hear about this version that's apparently really bad and now we the know it's the delta, delta. variant yeah. it's not just an airline anymore it's now a part of the <laughs> it, you, know, you know what i was COVID thinking virus. recently I, I'm in such a rabbit hole mood today, but this is one thing I was thinking recently is like this virus has destroyed brand names. Yeah. First it was called Corona. Yes. And then it now the, the variant that's deadly is called Delta. Yes. You will never go on a Delta flight and ask for a Corona yeah. beer again. Yeah. I, I just, I really want like, uh, <laughs> I really want like the next, uh, it's like 
uh, next year around this time, it's like, oh, well, the, we've got the Delta variant under control, but <laughs> you heard of this Burger King variant? Oh, yes. <laughs> the Skittles variant? <laughs> I would underwrite. What if it's like we start naming them uh, one after the other, like different like businesses in the same way that we name hurricanes? Oh, yes. So like every new wave of coronavirus, because that's the hellscape we've entered. Yes. It's some new business, and we're and we're, uh, we're just like the Cracker Barrel variant. Yes, that, the cracker worst barrel one so would far. would be the final deadliest one. That's <laughs> yeah, the one that's that, the apocalypse. Yes, that is like dinosaur <clears throat> level extinction. Like yeah. this is the end <clears throat> of humanity. So finally, before we leave our time capsule, um, there's a little place. You know, there are some things that are just the scum of the earth. Certain outlets, and one is called Fox News, the scum yeah. of the earth. That's that's as correct. much as I hate that Disney owns Fox. At least they're not under Fox News anymore. They are now changing their tune on vaccinations. They were so against it, but now they're like, "Go get vaccinated." And some people are saying there could be some lawsuits ahead for Fox News. Uh. You mean like maybe that's why they've changed their position? Yes, because, because they're getting they're suited. Some, because for a year and a half they told you don't get vaccinated, don't trust it. Yes, and then and then people trusted them, and now the family is suing yeah. them because hey, my uncle watched your garbage channel and believed your lies. There's definitely going to be a lot of old people. I mean, I I giggle about it, but it's also. Uh, very messed up that a bunch of old people believed a bunch of weird propaganda crap, didn't get vaccinated, and then this disease that we should have had figured out by now, uh, like, could have killed them. Yes. So, there we go with our little time capsule bit. Something we don't really <sighs> want to remember, but How yet, depressing. It, it's probably best that we do remember. <clears throat> because, hey, yeah. next pandemic, wear your stupid mask. So, shall we get into the topics of today's episode? Yep, and I have, I guess, two things to bring up this episode, two bits of news, uh, I guess a negative and a positive, oh, uh, wow. that are on the same theme, so that's what I'll be talking about for this episode. Uh, if, we, uh, if we, I don't know, do we want to go back and forth? Well, like yeah, let's do days? that, back and forth, that's always fun. Alright, then the first thing I'm going to bring up, I don't often bring up negative immensely disappointing news um oh now i'm excited yeah because uh i mean la this uh, is a special episode now yeah you often will have something where you yeah you know you brought up uh space jam a new legacy as being an awful thing you saw yes last year this isn't so much an awful thing that i saw and finished but well okay so uh i don't know how long ago it was but there was one year-end episode, maybe 2019, looking hopeful into the new year. I think I brought up that there was a show I was looking forward to coming to uh, BBC called The Watch. And it's uh, an adaption. Supposedly, it was an adaption of my favorite book series, or a part of my favorite book series, uh, by my favorite author, Terry Pratchett, part of the Discworld series, and it's... Uh, like a crime procedural but like the the books are basically a crime procedural set in like a medieval setting 
with really great characters and it's really hilarious and well plotted at the same time uh it's my favorite book series like the whole of Discworld is my favorite book series ever um ever. the watch is just one part of it um i'd say so i found it recently but i'm still i still think it's awesome um and so i was excited about this new show um there's never been i would say never been a good adaption of any of terry pratchett's Discworld stuff so i was like maybe this is the one I don't even know where to st- I, I was not... A lot of people... Apparently there's controversy leading up to it that, like, people didn't like some of the casting choices and stuff. I don't care about that. I was never disappointed in any of that. But seeing the trailers and the beginning of this show, because I will not bring myself to watch the whole season. How many episodes is it? Like, eight? I have no idea. <laughs> um... Calling this an an adaptation of the Watch series of books is, like, a complete joke. Like, there's not a a sliver of what those books are in this at all. First of all, it's not in a medieval setting at all. It's Um, very uh, current. Yeah, it's almost like cyberpunk kind of stuff. And... Like, there's so many things where it's, like, on their own, I wouldn't necessarily criticize this. Like, you could have made a good show where you changed the setting and overall kept everything else the same. But, like, this is, like, some completely different, weird cyberpunk crap with the first names kept the same from the books. It it just, it really feels like it has nothing to do with the books at all. It just, like is a blatant disregard of the work. Uh, I have some quotes from... uh, And fans of this are, of course, overwhelmingly disappointed by this. Uh, But uh, I have some quotes. Uh, Terry Pratchett... uh, And Terry Pratchett passed away in 2015, I believe. So um, Terry Pratchett got, like, no mention by the creator of this series towards the like ending of filming so I don't even know if they give a crap about the work to begin with uh, Terry Pratchett's daughter Rihanna Pratchett came out and said it shares no DNA with my father's watch so just people related to it straight up disavowing it practically and friend and co-writer for Good Omens uh, there's a book called Good Omens written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman uh, Neil Gaiman said the series, he, he, he basically compared the series to Batman if he's now a news reporter in a yellow trench coat with a pet bat. <laughs> so that's some of the glowing uh, comparisons that this had. Yeah, this looks awful. It does. <laughs> hmm, wow. So, there. Uh, how high were your hopes for it? I mean, they weren't necessarily high like this is something I just don't know if any I have a hard time imagining anyone getting it right in a live live action thing like personally I think the only way to do this uh, and it's hard to do with fantasy because fantasy is so inherently high budget but like I feel like the dry witty humor of like British 
humor would have to be done in this sort of slow-paced, low-key kind of thing. Sort of like... I mean, like The Office and stuff, where it's just, like, very low-key and feels kind of gorilla, and uh, it feels like it has a low budget, but because it's fantasy, it would have to have a high budget. Yeah. So they'd have to hit this point where the the comedic acting is just right, where people can deliver lines very dry. So I just don't know if I picture it ever really having a good adaptation unless they were to do a really solid animated one. Oh, you know what? Uh, let me check. There, I actually, I forgot about this news, but there was a Terry, there's a Terry Pratchett book called uh, The Amazing Maurice. I'm trying to see what, there was a movie announced uh, oh. about this. Um, and I'm trying to, I want to check I if there's swear, anything. I swear, I saw great. something about something called The Amazing Maurice when I was looking up news. Yeah, the amazing Maurice and his educated rodents. I'm trying to see if there's any update on the adaptation of this, because this could be something where, yes, there's going to be an animated film adaptation called The Amazing Maurice. But okay, I would say that's maybe the only hope I have for any Discworld <laughs> related content. I think an animated thing would be the only thing that would work. Uh, stuff like the watch and the death books and stuff in the Discworld series would be kind of too hard to get right. Yeah, sometimes I think that um, in animation, like at least for Marvel and DC, it feels like in animation because you're not going for big names that it makes it so that you hire people who understand the character. Yeah, like, I mean, that's... Uh... That's one way. It kind of looks like they did get sort of... Hugh Laurie is Maurice in this. So, I mean, that's a... At least in British TV, that's a pretty big name. But it's I mean, not like... like the creative side, like the writers, mm -hmm. directors. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Like, Bruce Tim knows more about Batman than Tim Burton or Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. Discworld stuff would be fantastic done right in animation. And I think I think that's a better home for it. So I hope this is good. I have more hope for this than The Watch, but we saw how The Watch went. Complete, just blatant disregard for the source material. and Things that adapt books don't even have to necessarily be like it that much. Yeah. Um, a lot of just people would argue... A lot of people would argue, and including Stephen King himself, that the movie adaptation of The Shining is just like... Just like practically nothing like the book. Uh, I think both are great, but I would agree that the movie is very different. Uh, like it just has even like some different like core uh, messages. Like it's it's a very different thing, but both are great. Uh, so it doesn't have to be perfectly faithful, but this was both not perfectly faithful. This was like not perfectly faithful in a way that felt like. It's hard to explain. Like it's it was so off base, like like the Neil Gaiman thing. It's like doing a different take on Batman is one thing, but if yeah. Batman's wearing a yellow trench coat and has a pet bat, like there's just thing. It's just like whoa, where did that come from? I mean, honestly, when you think about it, we've had how many movies has it been? Nine Batman movies. Mm -hmm. 
only one has really gotten the character wrong. Mm-hmm. Like some people, you may not be a fan of Batman versus Superman or Batman Robin, but really only one got the character wrong. And I mean, just a, as a, a little glimpse into it again, I have not been able to watch too much of this, but the main character of the watch series is this like watch captain named Sam Vimes. And he's kind of like a drunkard. He's kind of down on his luck. A, a lot of people are saying that the most insulting thing about the watch is kind of how they treated this main character of Sam Vimes, because apparently like through a lot of this TV series, he's just his only character trait is just being drunk. Like it's just, there's no heart or interesting. Like it, it's like, uh, seeing just that one aspect of the character Sam Vimes and like just kind of flanderizing that to an extreme. But, yep, that's that. Maybe someday. That's all. Um, that's my bit of news today. Uh, and actually, I'll say I said I had a negative and then a positive bit of news. The next thing I'm going to bring up is actually a segue from this into something more positive that I'm looking forward to. Oh, okay. That I don't think will be bad. I have reason to believe it's going to be good, so I'll have that as a little tease. There's my bit of news. Uh, Maybe I should rearrange some of my stuff, because I look at my list and the last thing is kind of a negative, so maybe I should put it towards the middle (laughs) instead. Yeah, I I had a narrative going in mind to this episode. So... So, a little behind-the-scenes thing. We had talked about recording an episode last week, but it didn't work out, Mm -hmm. scheduling-wise. And I'm honestly glad it didn't, because reporting on this today would be so different than if we had been doing it a week ago. Is that so? Yes, and I am very curious about uh, how it will be this weekend interesting now normally i don't bring up marvel news except i do have something coming up but normally i don't bring up mcu news anymore because it's just like it's like an ex-wife like we had fun but you know <laughs> i root for you but you know we our fine we, we we made a couple good kids well one of them sucks one yeah. of them's kind of a disappointment he's trying to be an actor yes but, but the other one's a good he's a doctor and a lawyer yeah, he's all right but, you know, this is kind of big for the whole film industry because mm. recently Black Widow came out, an yes. MCU movie, and it was going to be kind of a big test for this experiment Disney Plus has been doing with Disney Premier Access. Yeah. So and it was also kind of thought to be what could jolt some life back into the movie theater industry. Which, personally, I didn't think Black Widow was the one that could do it because, I mean, she she exists with superheroes, but she's not really a superhero. She's a spy Mm -hmm. character who exists in a world with superheroes. But, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Could Could you make that argument about, like, Batman? I don't know. But Batman, he's got a costume and everything. He's he's got gadgets. That's true. I, Bla- I, Black Widow does deserve more of a costume. I'll say that. I think yes. I think they should design her with more of a costume. Oh, before before we get into it, you know what I was thinking about? <laughs> you know in Endgame how Captain Marvel's in there? Yeah. I was thinking about it. 
and I was like, you know, she has such a cool uh, mask helmet type thing that she has in her solo movie. Yeah. I wish they had brought that back in Endgame because it's just yeah, such definitely. a cool looking thing. Yeah, she has one of the, the coolest costumes. Yes. I just always <clears throat> prefer wearing masks. I just think it looks yeah, cool. I, yeah. They, yeah, they've got the weird acting philosophy where you want to see clearly see their whole face. But yeah, I, yeah. I want to see more masks and stuff. I get you. Yeah. So I wasn't sure Black Widow could. I thought maybe. <clears throat> I think the only one coming up was Batman. Maybe Spider Man, but then there's he's a very this version's very divisive. It's not like yeah. Toy Maguire's, but you know it is the MCU. It is factually the biggest franchise going on right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe it could be the thing to kind of jolt some life back into theaters. Mm-hmm. So we've had the Disney Plus thing for a, ex, premier access thing for a while. We had Mulan, which turned out to be a big failure. We had Ryan the Last Dragon, another failure. And then we had Cruella, which was another failure. And Black Widow came, and it came out, and it was the biggest opening of the pandemic, which a lot of people were very excited about. You know, I didn't, I wasn't interested in seeing Black Widow, but I loved ha- seeing how. Um, it jolted back some life. Like, yeah, God bless you, Marvel. You brought some life back <laughs> yeah, into people the movie care a little theaters. bit more again. Yes, you know this is her last one. Um, you know she's been there the whole. Like I said in the previous episode, she and Cap are in the most important movies, so she deserves to go out on a high note. Mm-hmm. But the weekend of Blackwell, while everyone is cheering about, hey, look at how it's had the biggest opening of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Disney is excited because for the first time, they announced Black Widow made $60 million on Disney Plus Premier Access, mm. which compared to, I think, the domestic opening, $80 million compared to $60 million. So, I see. That is a lot that that movie yeah. took. Yeah. Now, well, I was excited for Space Jam, <clears throat> which turned out to be a regret. <laughs> I was still expecting, obviously, look, it's Marvel. There's still, you know, some people who are giving hope to the MCU. God bless you for it. Yeah. Still some people rooting for it. I was expecting Black Widow to be the number one movie again. But it wasn't. It was Space Jam, and Black Widow had the biggest drop of the pandemic. And early reports are talking about how, <clears throat> we're talking about how movie theaters were very unhappy because they thought that Disney Plus is what killed Black Widow. Black Widow and its opening its second weekend because of the big yeah. drop. Mm-hmm. And, and I gotta say, I kind of agree with them because opening weekend, it was more for the hardcore fans. They were going to go out right. and see it. And because you were able to buy it once on Disney+, Plus, you didn't have those fans going back to see it again. Oh. And people who are not the hardcore fans were just like, 
well, all right, it's 30 bucks, and I can watch it all summer? Fine. Plop. 30 bucks? Do that. Like, I won't lie. If this pandemic had happened summer 2016, I would have gone to see Civil War once in theaters and then paid the 30 bucks on Disney yeah. Plus so I could watch it whenever I <clears throat> wanted. Yeah. I think that Batman's the only one I would do that for for next year. Mm-hmm. If it's good, but... So, a lot of people are talking about, hey, did Disney sabotage their own movie with this whole premiere access and theatrical launch? Yeah. So, first of all, I guess the question is, what do you think this does for Black Widow? I I think, unfortunately, this will be... Well, how much did The Incredible Hulk make? Because I think so far that's the least successful one even though in my opinion it's it's a great i love that movie it's underrated all right so it's got 260 so <laughs> black widow's already beat it but 200 million dollar budget black widow mm-hmm. i think it's it's going to be one of the least successful ones yeah i see and it's not because like of bad word of mouth. I mean, it's getting okay. People are like, well, you know, it's fine. It's not Civil yeah. War, Winter Soldier, or the first Iron Man, but it's good. Except yeah. I heard the villains suck. But so it's it's basically like clearly something, clearly something is bad for it, and doesn't appear to be the movie. Yes, the Disney Plus Premiere Access killed it, and you have to. It really puts into question what is the future of Disney Premier Access? Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> do you remember when Disney did that whole Investor Day thing? Yeah. Which, by the way, if they do that again this year, since Comic Con's this weekend and oh. neither DC or Marvel are there, so oh yeah, there's really no Comic Con episodes. I completely forgot. Yeah. Summer. So I guess we'll do some DC fandom and the Disney thing whatever but Mm -hmm. at their shareholder thing clearly disney plus was kind of the center of the company yeah i think there might be a little bit of a we'll be finding out soon what is more important to disney is it the theater theatrical experience or is it disney plus Mm -hmm. i think that you know, because they've they've just lost money now because people mm-hmm. aren't gonna go back and rewatch it. Yeah. I think that be I thought that for sure the first weekend Black Widow meant Disney Premier Access was gonna be a thing. Now I think last week might have been the final nail in the coffin of not only has this failed before now it's killing our other, our the movie that we were really banking on because I think Premiere Access really only works for Marvel and Star Wars. I don't think people mm-hmm. would do it for like, I mean maybe Frozen, but even then I don't know. But I think yeah, those are the biggest things they've got. Uh, in yeah, terms I think of Star like Wars and Marvel are really the only ones they work. Star Wars episodic films. Yeah. So I think that 
I think it's dead. I think Premier Access is going to go away soon. So I could see that think... being like, oh, this is an experiment we tried, and it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so what do you think about Disney, about what's going on with Bo- Black Widow's box office, and what do you think is the future of Disney Premier Access? Yeah. Well, I definitely do think, <clears throat> I can definitely see... And I mean, this is a little projecting of how how uh, projecting off of how I feel about it. But I definitely think it hurts the must see feeling of like uh, people going to see an other a movie they might not otherwise go out and see because of the exclusivity feeling of uh like the movie experience of like everyone's talking about this movie and there's only one way to see it. Oh, yeah. Go to the movie theater. And when it's sitting there available on streaming, when you cough up the 30 bucks or whatever, uh, I that feels quite a bit different to me. And uh, I can definitely see that eating away at the number of sales and people seeing it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I definitely think that this is that's the culprit. I... I mean, it in to some degree, maybe just in general, people like people's attitudes towards things have changed over the pandemic. Like, I don't know, for me, going to the movies doesn't feel like want something to incorporate into my life for just anything again like i still haven't seen a movie uh in theater again um like it just doesn't mesh with how i like to see movies that well really so but if it had been in the theater and that was the only way to see it and it was an experience i think that even for me it would be more likely that i'd go see it the question that i've been trying to answer in my head though is whether they see that as truly the best way to make money, because, I mean, so they care about ultimately in terms of business decisions, uh, whether the money-making option for them is to try and capitalize on, like, the future prospects of the streaming service thing and hope that it gets better, um or whether in some way they think that the net outcome of it is ultimately better for them, or whether they think they're getting more off of creating a movie experience type situation. Based on... I, If I had to guess, based on how awful it looks like this has done, I would guess that they were probably trying to pivot to streaming and creating some new thing and now that they're seeing it's not working I could see them going back on it like you're suggesting the premiere thing ending uh, I think we will see that in the coming movies though um, whether this pivot back is going to happen uh, well the only one upcoming one that does have the premiere access thing is Jungle Cruise like, none oh. of the other Marvel <clears throat> movies this year are doing the premiere access. Got thing. it. I've gotten incessant ads for that, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I... I really don't know. I think if they look and see, like, I think Shang-Chi is the next one. Mm -hmm. I think that if Shang-Chi gets 500 million and Black Widow is, like, only 200-something or 300, I think that would be the final nail of we we (laughs) lost half our money with the Premier Access thing. Yeah. Um... Uh, so is is Shang Chi one that's not going to be Premier Access? Yeah, none of the other Marvel okay. ones. Shang Chi okay. or Eternals or Spider Man, which is Sony, but none of them are Premier Access. That'll definitely be the experiment. Then, is, oh yes. Uh, honestly, it might make more. I don't know. I... All right, so there we go with Black Widow's box office. Yeah. Wow. It's been a rough time. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. So do want to go into your other topic? Oh, yeah. So that was yours. Uh, I'll move into my next and last little bit of news for this episode of Comment Section. Um, okay, so I last talked about um, the so-called adaptation of... The Watch, the the City Watch series uh, by Terry Pratchett. Now on to what is technically a great Terry Pratchett adaptation. I was very careful to say there are no good Discworld adaptations. Oh, the Discworld yes. series. Because there is one thing technically based off of a work by Terry Pratchett that is great. Uh, it came out 2019, I think. Uh, <clears throat> well, there's a, a book I've talked about it on the show before, but there's a book by the authors Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Uh, They co-wrote this book together um, called Good Omens, which is about the apocalypse and, like, an angel and a demon sort of needing to team up. Uh, They each wrote, like, 50 or so percent of the book and, like, passed it back and forth, and it was this fun, like, friend project, and it's a really beloved book. Uh, I think released in the 90s. And it's funny because at the time, Terry Pratchett was like the biggest author in Britain and Neil Gaiman was just starting out. But now, Neil Gaiman is so famous as an author that people think of that as a Neil Gaiman work and Terry Pratchett (laughs) is the one that people don't really know about. But they equally wrote this. So uh, there's an Amazon Prime series that I I can't remember how much I talked about on the show, but I I loved it. uh, and it, it covered the book, the course of the book. It's a f- fairly faithful adaptation uh, with uh, David Tennant as Crowley, a devil, and Michael Sheen as Aziraphale, uh, the uh, angel. And it's them trying to stop the apocalypse. Uh, you know, it's the apocalypse happening. It, it's a great... Uh, it, it's a great series and hilarious and with a just really interesting plot it it was so well done and it was something that uh, you know they covered the book and the the, the season you know it just comes across as a mini series they covered the book um, so it was like oh cool that was a good mini series of that book now there's just an announcement there's going to be a season two of good omens. 
So it's like, huh. But they did the whole plot of the book. So, I mean, it interestingly enough, this uh, this world kind of uh, created by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett of Good Omens is coming back for a season two going beyond where the book went. Uh, so we're apparently going to see Crowley and Aziraphale who are coming back uh, as their characters uh, onto some new uh, adventure in the Good Omens universe, which we'll see where that even goes. Um, I mean, personally, like, the great chemistry that was kind of harnessed between uh, David Tennant as Crowley and Michael Sheen as Aziraphale in season one, like, I would maybe normally be skeptical of, like, going beyond the book or, like, forcing a second season out of something just because it was popular. Like, there's cynical ways to look at it, but I actually really think this is probably going to work because they really did good writing and the chemistry between those two, uh, as we've got up here, is great. Um, and I think there's just more to explore. And, like, I, I don't know what... I mean, Neil Gaiman is still alive, and he, he worked... I, I don't know how much he does for the show, but I know he's involved in some way. Uh, I think expanding on Good Omens beyond what the book did is a great idea. So I'm actually really excited for season two. And where... Um, every single... Terry Pratchett's uh, adaptation is a disappointment. Uh, at least this great little work of co-writing between these two great British authors does have a really good adaptation, and it's actually getting a season two. So it turns out there's another show I love that ha is ongoing. I have, like, two shows now <laughs> that are ongoing shows I like. The other one is uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Season 3 coming out later this year. Um, so, something I thought was just going to be a mini-series is just announced coming back for Season 2. Since you brought that up, I forgot, I completely forgot to mention this. So, mm -hmm. in um, what we've been watching lately. Yeah. So, I'm a big fan of Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld yeah. and The Office are the easily the two best written sitcoms in history. Yeah. yeah. So I've been wanting to check out Larry David's other show Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. And I gotta say it's up there like with Seinfeld in the office as top three yeah. funniest comedies I've no, ever Cur seen. Curb Your Enthusiasm is great. I actually think I I haven't seen much of it, but I think it's more my speed than Seinfeld a little bit. I really like Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's weird because it's kind of like a sequel show, but like behind yeah. the scenes, what happened later? Yeah, it's like it's it's definitely some of the same vibe. You know, I watched the pilot of the other day. I was actually surprised with how much I liked it because I'm not big sick sitcom yeah. fan. <laughs> I watched the pilot for The Goldbergs, which actually has oh. Patton Oswalt narrating, and that was pretty good. Oh, interesting, yeah. Love that. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious, like, based on the 
like with the more like esoteric comedy of stuff like Curb Your Enthusiasm and like early seasons of The Office and how you don't like most other sitcoms like I don't like most sitcoms I like you probably would genuinely like either Arrested Development or Community they're very oh, yeah. much in that alley of like esoteric comedy that are technically sitcoms but just kind of technically like they don't have laugh tracks and they they're not like the multicam type deal um are they like um the office where it's like the first season is kind of a struggle to get through and then it finds its try in season two or is it um start off strong actually interesting with both community and arrested development i think they start off really strong oh okay the best seasons are definitely later oh uh but not too late. Actually, with both of these shows, just watch the first three seasons and cut it. <laughs> Partic- yeah, with Arrested Development, I've often defended the reboot seasons, but ignore them. The first three seasons <laughs> is the original run of the show, and it is some of the best comedy writing of any sitcom. Like, I, I, m- many people along with me would put it in conversations with stuff like Seinfeld and stuff, because even though it was less popular and it got off, it was off the air after the third season people didn't get it uh, now in an age of streaming where you can watch back to back episodes and kind of get the recurring jokes it's incredible uh, oh, yes. how like just planned things are and then community is almost like a parody of television and sitcoms in and of itself while also just being a great sitcom with great like heartfelt characters it's both a parody of it and seriously being it at the same time. It is a sitcom that takes itself seriously as a sitcom and it parodies sitcoms by making fun of sitcom tropes. So it's kind of the ultimate sitcom for people who don't like sitcoms. Oh, yes. After our fun talk about sitcoms, uh, did, oh, you know, before I, forget, I should mention this, because you talked about how, like, some people like later with the rest of development and they could see it all at once it kind of got more of the jokes later yeah that's a yeah so the seinfeld finale is one of the most um controversial series finales of all time yeah i've 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 heard that so i got the season nine set for my birthday and my mom was there one day and i was like i want to watch the finale and she was like oh it's terrible yeah. so i watched it and i was like wow this is really good and yeah. then uh my parents watched it and they said um because they before were just like it's awful and then they mm-hmm. rewatched it and were like that was better than we remember because when you like binge it mm-hmm. instead of going over nine years you get it when you have it in like a small say like a few months then you kind of re- remember some of the references like oh yeah that was season one that's season five or whatever yeah yeah i yeah i do think that's uh that's a really good point and that's actually is something i've heard about like some more hardcore fans i feel like don't mind the finale from what i've heard of seinfeld and i don't know like a lot of like i've spoiled the finale for myself because it sounded fun like i always thought it sounded kind of like a funny finale i um oh some people hate <clears throat> what happens like you know what happens right at the yeah end. Mm-hmm. some people hate that the actual final scene is one of my favorite scenes of the whole series. 
I, I've watched that final scene before, just spoiling it for myself. I, I think it's really that funny. Scene so much. Yeah. <laughs> Don't steal my jokes. You suck. I'm gonna cut you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And apparently, uh, that wasn't originally the ending, because originally, the ending was a callback to the pilot, and they at the last minute they added that to show like, hey, even though they're in jail, they're still kind of having fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting how like. Be, having such easy access to back-to-back shows really does change the way we can view some shows because I mean Arrested Development really is just the best example of it because like if you had to watch that show week to week and then wait an entire season like gap between the next season it's completely it's undecipherable like it's so chock full of inside jokes and like leftover plot lines like i could see people thinking it's a really bad show because it's so just but if you watch them back to back i don't see how you couldn't think it's a great show yeah like back to back it makes sense and it's funny like watching it progress and starting to recognize all the the running jokes that through the entire first three seasons are built on and it's just interesting how that I don't think that show would have ever gotten the appreciation it deserved without streaming and uh, the ready access of all of it at once. So should we move on to our next topic? Yeah, you. let's go on to your topic. All right, so... I'll just throw this in there because the next one is, before I get into the next one, which is a bit negative, then we got some positive afterwards. But let's cool. just get the negative one out of the way. It's almost more of an editorial thing than a news story. Okay. All right. So here's we'll just throw this out there. Positivity. Not much to say about. But after years of being in development, Kevin Smith is finally directing Clerks 3, which is coming from Lionsgate. So I see. Um, going back to what you started with, I really like uh, the two Clerks movies. Uh, Clerks 2 is probably my favorite one he's done. I really liked the Jay and Silent Bob reboot he did. Mm-hmm. Was it two years ago? But yeah, Clerks 3 coming from Lionsgate. So that sounds like it'd be fun. Have you seen either uh, of the Clerks movies? No, uh, been recommended to me time and time again, but I've never seen it. Oh, yes. Uh, they're pretty good. You know what my favorite thing he's ever done is Clerks the Animated Series. Oh. They had um, Paul Dini was one of the writers, and he was one of the writers on Tiny Toons and Batman the Animated Series. Cool. If, if, you, if you can only choose one thing to watch, watch. There's only six episodes, and they're great. Oh. Clerks the Animated Series. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Alright, so this is more of an editorial type thing, but it's kind of important. So, you know, my favorite thing, my favorite superhero franchise is the CW's Arrowverse. Gotta hate that name, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And right, this year they've done such a great job with Superman. And Black Lightning. Um, they, you know, for a show that struggled after season one, they really were able to wrap it up 
very good in season four. Honestly, besides, I guess, Cap's ending in Avengers Endgame, which is kind of a little spoiled mm-hmm. with the whole time travel thing, which was stupid. Black Lightning was the first time they've ever ended a superhero story in live action that I liked. Wow. That's, like, it was uh... just the first time. It's like, they fu- like I put it on, because normally I save the shows for the weekend, but I DVR'd it. I was like, all right, let's get this piece of garbage over with. And then by the end, I was like, oh, they, they, they did it. Wow. They actually wrapped it up. <laughs> now I'm a little bitter. That's like, why couldn't Arrow have done a good job wrapping up their show? But, right. hey, they did a good job with it. Yeah. However... And, you know, Supergirl's kind of limping across the finish line. I'm hoping it'll have a Black Lightning type of resurgence where it finish strong. Yeah. But a show that's been struggling this year, creatively, is a show that, before Superman Lois, was their best show, and that's The Flash. Mm. <clears throat> it is a show that has been struggling this year in seventh season... And it's bringing out some of the flaws that season six had. I see. So it's kind of left people wondering, how much longer does this show have left? Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, everyone online after season one of a show was like, well, this show sucks now, just cancel it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care what the fanboys say. Season, season three of the show was great. Season five was great. But now, they're having some issues with the show. And I think this is the first time I've honestly asked myself, like, is it time to end the show? And this is the first time I've said, maybe it is time to end the show. Oh, no. Because, now, I'll bring this up, because there is one common denominator about what's been going on with the show. Bring up the PowerPoint. Yes. All right. So, we had The Flash Season 6. Now, during the Season 6, they had a new showrunner. (laughs) Times New Roman, good choice. Yes, named Eric Wallace. Yeah. Now, the previous showrunner... Aaron or Todd Helbing? I'm sorry, dude. No, it's Todd Helbing. He left, and now he's the main showrunner of Superman Lois. Yeah. So Eric Wallace took over as the showrunner. And under him, the seasons were divided into two graphic novel storylines, which is similar to what Gotham did, where Gotham would have it where... It's season two, but there's really two stories that happen. Like, <laughs> you had the first half before Christmas, which is one story. Then you had the storyline after Christmas, which was another story. Right. So we get to season six. And it's honestly great. The storyline they did for season six, the first half was great. And what it did was. It was setting up Crisis on Infinite Earths. So, even though Wallace had, did such a great job with the storyline in there, it was setting up a storyline that was being kind of 
created by Mark Guggenheim. So then we get to Graphic Novel 2. And in the first few episodes, we're dealing with Crisis Aftermath. Because, like we said, Crisis was nothing but pointless guest stars. <laughs> so th- they actually had to take time. And here's how this affects the plot. <clears throat> yeah. Which is then we important. had storyline where Flash's wife is replaced with Imposter. Which, you know, sounds like an interesting story, right? Mm-hmm. But it was really dragged out. Got it. Under a show like Smallville, this would have been done in two episodes. In The Flash, it was done in, let's see, ten episodes. Okay. Yes. Dragged out. For sure. But could have been an interesting storyline was dragged out. Right. Then we get to this season, season seven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, COVID is terrible. It really screwed up everything. But I do think it's kind of important to say Wallace and writers had more time to plan this season than any other previous one. Like, they had extra time because filming kept getting delayed. So, we continue graphic novel two. Three more episodes about how his wife was the imposter and this whole mirror villain storyline. Jeez. Then we get to what they call graphic novel three. Which was the worst storyline they've ever done. Not high praise. No, it was a weird storyline where in the show, Barry and Iris somehow screw, I don't even remember, like somehow something they do causes a bunch of lightning to happen around the city and a bunch of people get powers. (laughs) And like five people get powers from those five lightning strikes. I see. And... Look, there were some interesting episodes, but most of them were kind of like, what is the point of this? And they did this weird thing where they were calling all the Flash and his wife mother and father. Even though most of the characters were older than them. <laughs> and it only had their powers for like a few months, but it's like, hello, mother, father. Weird. And it's another one where it was dragged out over multiple episodes and by the end the episode the storyline was nothing but set up for the Flash and Iris to get pregnant because that makes a lot of sense you have these characters who are villains who call you parents and like you know what let's have a baby we did such a terrible job with these people who aren't even really our kids but let's have a baby Great. So there's that. Then we get to... They didn't call this graphic novel whatever. They called it... Filler! Because that's what it was. Wow. One episode. No flash. Well, alright. One episode was... Um, writing out cast member 
who had been on the show for a while and chose to leave. Then, episode two. No flash except for one scene. Then three, pointless episode. And then we get to graphic novel four, which is what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. And Wallace said that graphic novel four was the conclusion of this storyline that he's been doing since he took over as showrunner. Now, graphic novel three dragged out. This was pointless. So we had 18 episodes. How many did they spend on graphic novel four, which introduced the big bad of the season? Only four episodes. Okay, big difference, yeah. And in those episodes, they are crammed with information and exposition. So, it's a little bit like the season finale happened this week, and you don't even even care. Because it's just like, <laughs> okay, we, we spent four episodes with the big bad. whoop de doo What's the big deal? Right. So, and how many episodes was that? That was four. So that was three. So this uh, this boring dragged out thing lasted lasted um, eight episodes. Yeah. So overall, not a good season on the Flash. Yes, the last four episodes were good, but that doesn't make up for a bad overall season. So the question is. Should, is it time for The Flash to end? And I will say this. When you look at all this, this season and the previous season show that Eric Wallace should not be showrunner anymore. It is not one of his strengths. Now, mm-hmm. the last episode I saw, he co-wrote it. He's a great <clears throat> writer. But his two seasons he he's done show that he really struggles as a showrunner where he drags stuff out and then what's supposed to be interesting he shrinks down because he did such a poor job planning the season so I think that the show needs a new showrunner and that if they do switch showrunners it could get to a Smallville run of 10 seasons mm-hmm. and you know people have been unhappy with this season two of the main cast members have left since their contracts are up Mm -hmm. so it's understandable people are wondering is it time to end the show I think that you gotta switch the showrunners and the thing that the Arrowverse has struggled with and I love this franchise is that they wait too long to switch showrunners who should have been fired years ago like, gotcha. look at Arrow. They should have gotten rid of Mark Guggenheim after season four, but they didn't. And even though they switched showrunners by season seven, and he did a good job with season five, but the damage had already been done. Mm-hmm. Supergirl is pretty much got canceled, and this is its final season. Ever since um, those two took over as showrunners for Supergirl. The show was dropped in quality to where it's now getting canceled. Black Lightning. After season two, 
They should have replaced Salim Akil with a new showrunner. Legends of Tomorrow, they should have replaced him with uh, um, those two showrunners with new showrunners. Yeah. Some people like it because it's basically more of a sitcom, but whatever. But I think you need to switch showrunners. Otherwise, yeah, then if you don't switch showrunners, then it's time to end the show. Mm-hmm. Now, you have not watched The Flash. That's But that's you've right. been in kind of a similar predicament with another show that you are a fan of, The Office, that right. dropped in quality. That's so, true. yeah. Having that as kind of a reference point, what do you think? Should, after a weak season, should they either pull the plug or try to redeem it in a point where it's now they're going into season eight, two cast members have left. Is it time to end it, or should they try to switch things up and put it back on track? Getting something you're working on to a good end point is, to me, a really good... Uh, uh, it's a really good way to inspire you to write some better stuff. Like, it, it gives you sort of... Like, I don't know, it's just... Like, with The Office, I, like... I think that part of the reason the finale was so good, uh, one of my favorite show finales, is because they just used what good they had and what they learned from earlier seasons, kind of actually looked back at that and thought of what to do to end the series in a like respectful and uh, well-thought-out way. Um, so... <clears throat> I think uh, rather than continuing with mediocre writing and stuff, just saying like, okay, something's missing. Let's let this go out with something good, though, and really trying to do one last final season. Like, I think a season eight that is intended to be the final season and they actually try to usher it out in the best way possible would be the ideal thing. Yeah, and Arrow ended after season eight, so I'm kind of going into the Flash assuming it may be the final season. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're doing a big crossover thing for the first five episodes where each episode he teams up with a different character. Like, obviously won't be Superman. Sounds like won't be Black Lightning. If it is the final season, I think Green Arrow will be in there. Gotcha. Yeah. But I I think what's best for the Flash is if you switch show because also Eric Wallace did say in an interview that the Flash could go on for many more seasons. Hmm. I think that only happens if you replace Eric Wallace with a new showrunner. He's a great writer, but he's not a good showrunner. He struggles with it. Got it. So, if you replace him, then we could get to that nice Smallville run of 10. <laughs> yeah. But if you keep him, then it's time to end the show. Now, should we go to some exciting... I can't believe I'm saying this. Some exciting Marvel news? Oh, really? Yeah. I'd yes. love to hear that. All right. So, right now, I think I said... um when Marvel announced their Phase 4 slate, the one thing I was excited for was What If. Yeah. 
Now, that's changed also because um, the one movie I want to see, just because of who's in the director's chair, and it's not even because I really care that much about this character, it's Doctor Strange because it's directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. That's the right. guy who made the trilogy is, in my opinion, the best Marvel movie ever made. The trilogy as a whole. Yeah. But I've been really curious about What If. Because, yeah. number one, it's separate from the MCU. I mean, it's going to take influence from the MCU. I wish it was fully separated. <laughs> but by being separated, you don't have the baggage of some of the bad creative decisions they've made recently. And number two, well, number two, also, it's animated, so it allows them to really do whatever they want. You don't have to worry about TV budget as much. And three, unlike, say, a WandaVision or a Loki, where it's like, okay, side characters. Like, honestly, unlike DC, like, 50 years of Marvel TV, the only live-action shows they've ever made that I've been interested in are the Bill Bixby Hulk and Daredevil. And the only other one they've ever announced for Disney Plus in live-action I'm, I'm curious about is the Nick Fury Secret Invasion one. Because, like, oh, Nick Fury, finally, a character I'd want to see more of. But what if um, it has... You're going to have Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Spider-Man, Black Panther, just all of them. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the trailer. It looks great. Hey, look, they recast Iron Man. <gasps> what? <would've> thought? <laughs> yes, it can work. And also, I don't even know if we've mentioned this on the show, but we heard in the trailer one last time we're going to get Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. So, oh, really? Yeah, and they huh. showed him in the trailer. It'll, it'll be great to hear him. It's nice yeah. that there's something where we can be like, all right, this is our closure. This is the end. Yeah. Even though he's an Elseworlds version, but whatever. It's what if T'Challa was Star-Lord, which, hey, anyone's better than Peter Quill, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was watching Infinity War, and mm -hmm. I was like, this movie would be so much better if Peter Quill had died in the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, even as a fan of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy in general, I, one of the most frustrating things about that movie, I, I always think it's kind of bad writing when, like, I'm always weary of writing that's, like, the bad thing is kind of caused by the stupidity of someone you're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah, like... We could have had a separate Avengers 4 movie had that moron not uh, been a brat and slapped Thanos when Spider-Man and Iron Man, yeah. who were doing all the work, were trying to yeah, they had it. get the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. It... Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is. All right, so I'm very excited for Marvel's <laughs> What If. I think... It's going to be awesome. It's the first time since Black Panther I've really been excited for a Marvel, awesome uh, Marvel Studios type project. Well, I'm glad that's still panning out for this one. Yes. So we have What If coming. Look at that poster. Oh, that looks sick. This is what I'm curious about. You I see that? 
Spider-Man with a cape? What? This looks... This is uh, Into the Spider-Verse's worst nightmare. I'm on board for this. This is... Black Widow really doesn't cool. look that different. I mean, yeah. she's holding... Uh, Gamora's wearing the Thanos. Yeah, I, like, I like that. I like that, Gamora. Yeah. Obviously, Spider-Man, for me, sticks out in this. Yeah. Let's see. We've got T'Challa, Star-Lord. Peggy as um, oh, Captain see. Carter, and then Steve Rogers is in there. Got he's like what cool. like he's like a World War II style Iron Man. He really is. So yeah, I'm very excited. For, ooh, got we got Cap, both in here and in here. Why? Because he's the best character in the MCU. And he <laughs> deserves it. <laughs> right. Cool. August 11th can't come soon enough, but. We also found out this Not week that away. Marvel is actually developing a little mini animation studio and that there's going to be more animated shows from Marvel. So for oh. me, that is very exciting. Like I yeah. love DC animated shows. I love for me, like the best and the best versions of Marvel are the 90s cartoons and the cartoons from the late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, those mm-hmm. are the best versions of Spider-Man, Cap, Wolverine, Hulk. Yeah. Um, so, Marvel Studios is developing animated shows. I'm hopeful they can go back up in quality, because, um, unfortunately, when Marvel got bought by Disney, the quality of the animation went down. Which is a little ironic, because what is Disney best known for? But, <laughs> yeah, that is weird. But yeah. this looks like it'll be a winner. Um, so yeah, it'd be really I'm great really to have a hope- niche of Marvel that we can talk about uh, with you involved in a positive yes. light if there's good animation. Yeah, so I'm hopeful we'll get some animated shows outside the MCU. Like, I would like something with like. Spider-Man, but he's not the Tom Holland Spider-Man. He's his own separate thing. Yeah. But if it's good, it really doesn't matter. Con- continuity doesn't matter as long as it's good. Uh-huh. But what I would love to see is I would love for them to do what the Ultimate Comics did, which is the MCU, that's, that's an ongoing thing. Let's kind of restart. What if we were doing Marvel in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would love for them to cover the five corners of Marvel, because that way everyone's covered. One is Spider-Man, a Spider-Man show, an X-Men show, an Avengers show, a Fantastic Four show, and a Defenders show, so you get characters like Daredevil. That's what I would love to see. Also, like, an animation like, we can actually have, like, a Spider-Man show, which you couldn't do in live action. Right. And I would love for them to do what DC does, because I'm assuming if they're doing shows for Disney+, Plus, they might be doing some movies as well. I would love for them to do, like, DC, their anime movies are the greatest hits mm-hmm. of the DC Universe like a year one under the red hood, long Halloween, death of Superman. Yeah. I would love for like, do like the greatest hits of Marvel. Like do a, animated Spider-Man Craven's last hunt. 
or like a for sure two or three part like civil war but exactly like the comics yeah. which you can do in animation and you have all the rights to the x-men now yes and what, what and also what i would love about d uh, marvel animated movies is that in the dc animated movies you can do stuff that the live-action movies never could. Like, for example, a movie like Batman Under the Red Hood, you could not do in live-action. Right. But, in animation, that's more for the hardcore fans, so it's expected. Like, alright, if you're watching this, you've seen ev- every live-action Batman movie. Yeah. For example, like in Under the Red Hood, you'd, you'd have to have a movie... To do it in live action, you'd have to have a movie that introduces Batman, introduces Joker, introduces Robin, uh, and it's transitioned to Nightwing, introduce Black Mask and all that. Like, Into the Spider-Verse is a movie you could never do in live action. You could yeah. never do it. That's right. <laughs> because if you are hardcore enough to see that, you've seen the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield movies, because otherwise, you'd have to like look at the Into the Spider Verse cast. Who would you have to introduce? You'd have to introduce Peter Parker, Mary Jane Watson. Before a movie, uh, probably Gwen Stacy. Yeah. You'd have to introduce the regular Doctor Octopus, Green Goblin. It's just. You can do stuff in animation you couldn't do in live action. So yeah, totally. I I'm this the the fact that they're doing animation excites me. Uh, hopefully, again, not connected to the MCU. Just mm-hmm. be separate, like how Spectacular Spider-Man was separate from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about Marvel Studios after 13 years in live action doing some animated stuff now? Uh, that's really exciting. I mean, I, I feel like I want just a taste of something. People, it just, it does feel like people are, at this point, only and only initiated into Marvel from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where to them, maybe there is stuff like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, and there's no other way for it to exist. And it's just nice to give different life to characters uh and i love animation uh and then, yeah i think you can do more i mean it, with superheroes i completely agree um i think you can also like cover more like classic storylines uh like i love the idea like like you said the craven's last hunt that would be stuff like that would be really cool um so yeah i'm i'm really excited i think um a good a good animated thing from marvel would get me uh interested again as well so i have something new to chew on that isn't just more mcu all right so before we move on to our final story which of uh what from this poster interests you more i'll say for me Spider-Man with the cape, but which one of these gets you the most interested? 
Yeah, I, it's it's hard to not say that. I guess the, the only other thing, like, I'm very curious as to Gamora in the Thanos gear. That is, I mean, that's really cool. What would it be like if she did the snap? That is yeah, something. I mean, Gamora and Gamora and Nebula are both like to me the the coolest parts of the Guardians of Gal of the Galaxy franchise that I want to see more of. So, well, all right. So we found out that the next DC animated movie is well, we know the next one is Batman: The Long Halloween Part Two. Nice, yeah. Which I am so excited for, especially after how great that first one was. Yeah. But the next one is going to be based on the Injustice video game. Oh, so an animated uh, series based on. Well, that to be part. fair, it's based on. I should maybe I shouldn't have the said the story. Video game. It's um, based on the prequel comic. Right. Got so what based happens in Injustice World? Yeah. And yesterday, we got our first image of the film, cool. which I think is our first movie for next year. Yeah. Which I think it looks great. I love the animation style for this. Yeah, I like the shading. That's interesting. Yeah. And we found out the voice cast. Now, I just assumed, because, well, if you're doing an Injustice movie... Obviously, it's Kevin Conroy as Batman and George Newbern as Superman and Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. But they did announce it is a different cast from the video games. I so see. Superman is going to be voiced by Justin Hartley, who voiced the character in... Oh, no, who played Green Arrow in Smallville. Oh... So there's that. And let me see if I can bring up the cast real quick. That was the one that stood out to me. Okay. Um, Anson Mount as Batman. Laura Bailey as Lois Lane. Wait, I know. Um, Wait, isn't Brian... Laura Bailey from Critical Role? <laughs> yes. Um, Brian T. Delaney as Green Lantern. And who was the, uh, um, God, they had, oh, Yuri Lothal as the Flash. Oh, he does a lot in here. He's also Nightwing and Aquaman. <laughs> and Janet Varney as Wonder Woman. So, um, so at first, when we found out the voice cast, I was a little disappointed because I was like, it's not Kevin Conroy? Right. But at the same time, it's a little bit like, <clears throat> well, I mean, the story of evil Superman and um, Batman having to stop him yeah. is such an Elseworlds story. Maybe just to emphasize it's an Elseworlds, you don't want the most classic, iconic versions voicing those characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got so, um, you know, Kevin Conroy, he posts on Twitter that he's back in the recording studio, hopefully, as a Batman-type thing for next year. Although, maybe it'd be 2023 Yeah, if he's doing it now. But what do you think about the next DC animated movie being based on Injustice? Well, that 
definitely gets me more invested right off the bat because it's one of the few DC storylines I actually know because I played the heck out of Injustice 2. Uh, and I that was really, like, playing Injustice 2 is really the thing. It's honestly, the, the, it's silly. It's, it's the thing that made me go, oh, maybe I do care about DC uh, these <laughs> days. Um, so, yeah, I loved... Uh, the way the characters were portrayed in that. So, continuing that can only be of interest to me. I like that quite a bit. Oh, yes. I'm excited for DC has been on such a roll recently ever since Butch Lukic I think that's how you pronounce his name uh, took over as producer. They've done such a great job. First with Superman Man Tomorrow then Justice Society World War II and their best film, one of the best animated DC films I've ever seen, The Long Halloween Part 1. So excited for Part 2. Love seeing all yeah. these interviewers saying, hey, Butch, you gonna do Dark Victory next? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, I mean, I mean, really, I I almost said earlier, like, Injustice 2 I is um... And for, for whatever reason, just the second one, I just think is even more perfect. I'm partial to Injustice 2, is maybe my favorite gameplay-wise superhero game, period. Oh, I mean, wow. the only other one that would be, like, I could see it being better, depending on the day you ask me, is um, Arkham City. But uh, I haven't played that as much, because I don't own it. Uh... Injustice 2 is... I played the heck out of that. And I don't even normally like fighting games. It's like my favorite. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah. I play that one a lot too. Yeah. I, I it, it's Mechanically, I it's like my favorite fighting game ever. Just mechanically. Even if it wasn't anything to do with DC. I just think it... I, I love the way it plays. And the single player... It has a better single player than almost any other fighting game like that too. Uh, but then I... Yeah, it's just... I loved the characters, uh, the way the, the characters were done, and it was, it was great. Uh, so, glad to see that it's getting an animated uh, series version. Oh, yes. Great, 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 great. Um, I'm very curious about finding out what the next AMA DC films are going to be, especially mm -hmm. whatever Bruce Tim is working on next. Because yeah. he is doing a new Batman TV show, Batman, uh, the Caped yeah. Crusader that he's working on. I mean, I don't know how involved they are, but with Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams, but yeah. Bruce Tim doing a new Batman show? Oh, I'm excited. If I wanted to get really greedy, I'd say, hey, Bruce, can you bring back Kevin Conroy? But <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Wait, actually, so, is it just called? What did you say it was called? Is it just called Injustice? What's the name? Just Injustice. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Injustice. Um, yes. Coming out, I think, next year. Cool. Yay, next year. All right. So, shall we close out with some rabbit hole? Uh, yeah. I we, You know we gotta. Yeah. All right. This is in honor of Space Jam A New Legacy, which totally sucked. <laughs> All right. There's going to be a new live-action animated film combination. 
what franchise are you what anime franchise are you taking and what genre of film are you taking like how Space Jam was the Looney Tunes and a sports movie what are you combining into this thing so and maybe this is on my mind because of the Scooby-Doo Courage crossover but I'm imagining Courage the Cowardly Dog in a genuinely like like horrid gory horror movie just like something (laughs) something something, yeah something fully adult like traumatizing and courage the cowardly dog is you know just the 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 logical next step from the stuff horrific for children another step up and it's like i mean like it could basically be like the the conjuring courage something are like muriel and eustace live action or are they still animated and they're with another live action group. interesting i'm trying to think of what would uh cause this there's probably some kind of haunted tv and they from the actual tv series see the thing is there's something novel about trying to do live action versions of muriel and eustace but then courage is animated but i want to have more animated characters in it yeah because with courage yeah, that, there's not that many. It's just those three. I mean, there's the computer. That's he, right. He could still use the talking animated computer. Oh, now the computer would probably be a smartphone. All right. Now, in the superhero genre, both DC and Marvel, they're getting into this routine of bringing back old actors via multiverse. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Welling, Brandon Routh, Kevin Conroy in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Michael Keaton in The Flash. Maybe even Brandon Routh. Maybe? Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Do you think this trend is a good idea or a bad one? Because I'll just say this. I think overall, what we saw in Crisis is that it's really not worth it. You don't gain anything. The only one it really kind of works for is Brandon Rouse Superman because they took him and they popped him back to where he was. He was still yeah. doing his thing. And I just... I mean, the Flash will be kind of, for me, the deciding factor on if this is worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see Michael <clears throat> Keaton as Batman, do we kind of... Unless he becomes the DCEU Batman. Mm-hmm. Do they pop him back to where he was, where it's, all right, we leave him, he's still fighting for Gotham, or is it he dies, he retires, or he turns evil, or he's wiped from existence or something? So, until we see that, I kind of think this is a bad idea, but what do you think? So, what what exactly is the question? Do you think bringing back old actors to superhero franchises oh, like uh, via yeah. multiverse is a good idea or a bad one uh i have always like i've tended to come from the position that i'm i'm not necessarily a fan of the taking some ip and then going all of these are real in the broader universe yeah. of things like that's all that to me that is actually the thing that sort of plot point where it's like it's all real 
and there's multiple universes like that convolutedness of comic books is actually kind of the reason why for so many years I just didn't care about superheroes I I like Batman as like a detective story I don't yeah. want it to be like this big complicated universe thing so I'm always in favor of simplifying rather than saying it's just you know like all these things you love are out. I don't know. I, I don't like when things feel like this, like Ready Player One uh, <laughs> amalgamation of all the things that you like to make you feel nostalgic. And you can just let things be the things they were in the past. So I personally would want the trend to die. Yeah. I think that, too, unless, like, Keaton does become the main Batman at the end of The Flash. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't like the idea, but I'm like, well, if you're going to go for it, you brought the right one to to try it with. Right. Like, I'd rather we live... If they genuinely feel like they have a good story, <laughs> and you can tell that even if it doesn't work, that they at least tried, then I'm like, well, you tried. Like, with Crisis, I at least am like, you focused on the wrong things, but I can tell there was a genuine effort to try. Yeah, at least you tried. Yes. And you know, go big or go home. It's a gamble, but sometimes it's like, you know what? I respect the effort. Yeah, you love to see effort. You love yes. to see it. All right. Who's a superhero that still hasn't gotten a movie yet, but you think deserves one? Um, I mean, I struggled, but I did think of one. Which, for me, when I was like, oh yeah, it's obvious, but... Trying to think of... A lot of the superheroes I like are just kind of... Baseline, just popular. Um, I would probably... Just be grasping at something that I would maybe be curious about maybe seeing like a Supergirl or like uh well Supergirl's had her own movie that must have been oh I remember now yeah uh <laughs> not like uh you know what I kind of feel a little bit bad for I mean maybe I know it's actors first world problems but I've always felt a little bad that god who was the oh Helen Slater we've had three live action Supergirls we'll have mm -hmm. four but right now we've had three Helen Slater is the only Supergirl actress who never got to act with her Superman. Hmm. Like, Laura yeah. Vandervoort, she was on Smallville. She shared a screen yeah. with Tom Welling. Melissa Benoist has shared the screen with Tyler Hoechlin. I see, like, I see. She never got to share it with Christopher Reeve. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that to uh, hammer in, like, the... Um, influence the injustice uh games had on me the only really i think the reason why i say that and why i like supergirl as a character is because i like main supergirl in injustice 2 it's my favorite character to play i actually just totally totally thought of an answer all right i, I would say basically teen titans slash mostly raven uh Raven as a character, I the that's one of the only superhero comic series I've read recently that I really like is Raven, uh, Daughter of Darkness or whatever. Uh, so that would be really sick. All right, for me, the one 
that I would love to see a movie of is Green Arrow. I oh, love Green Arrow. A- I love like an 80s type, like based from the 80s comics. I mm-hmm. love those. Yeah. All right. Now we got Marvel's What If coming August 11th, which I'm very excited about. Go. Are there any premises you would like to see? I literally just thought of one, which was from, I think it was from a What If comic. I was like, oh, do that. Yeah. All right. Number one, what if Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was in Avengers 2012? Oh. It came out the same year. That Number two, what if Tobey Maguire and Hugh Jackman were in Civil War? <laughs> All right. And uh, what if, what if Captain America instead of World War II was from the American Revolution? Another one. What if Captain America was from World War III, which is from the future, and gets sent back to the past, which is our present? And this one I just thought of. And it's not even really a what if, but it's like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man adapted into the Spider-Girl storyline where he mentors his daughter Mayday Park, or I think it's is it Mayday or May Parker, who is the new Spider Girl, because after he in he lost his leg, he retired, but now he's it's like a Batman Beyond type Very thing, cool. but with Spider Man, yeah, it told me McGuire version. The idea that seems really cool to me is just like I don't care which Spider Man and Wolverine, but sort of Avengers 2012, but with yeah. Spider Man and Wolverine in it. Now that they can do that. That's a good what if. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So here's another one I've been thinking of recently. What's something that you recently found yourself being nostalgic for? Interesting. Like for me, um, I've been thinking, you know, I really miss the superhero movies of the 2000s. <laughs> like... I miss, like, they were standalone. They, it, and also, it just felt like the tone was right. Yeah, like, I agree. Nowadays, and look, I like both these movies, but it feels like you're either Batman versus Superman Grimm or Thor Ragnarok and Super Jokey. Right. Like, those are good examples, but. Yeah. It just feels like you're either one way, and it, it just makes you miss, you know, I miss the days of, like, the original X-Men, the original Spider-Man trilogy, the first two Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. Even though it's not a good even though it's not a great movie, the tone of Superman Returns was a good tone for the film. It's just they made weird choices and copied the first movie. Right. <clears throat> or like the tone of the first Iron Man or the Incredible Hulk. And even, like, when I was doing that Black Widow MCU rewatch, like, I was like, man, Winter Soldier and Civil War, and I mean this in, like, a positive way, they feel like they're from the 2000s. Like, yeah. Civil War feels like it could have come, like, a year or two after Spider-Man 2 or something. Yeah. Like, there's just something special about them. And, you know, they're standalone. It's... It's there. You don't have movies like Iron Man Two or Age of Ultron, where, or The Amazing Spider-Man Two or BVS, where they're there to set up other stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I definitely find myself sometimes just like 
realizing that I too, I, I a lot of something a lot of people say that I too also just kind of really miss hand drawn animation sometimes yeah. where it just feels a, a little more life in it. Um, it's just a texture that I kind of miss and just 2D animation in general generation specific but I do just miss the end of the hand drawn era of cartoons kind of era the yeah. last leg of those cartoons um, where I think a lot of really great ones were on that note like a lot of practical effects I'm glad to see a lot of practical effects uh, I've seen some like horror movies for example that have started going back to practical effects and I think it's really effective um so stuff like that. I do have another thing to bring up. And, you know, because to be honest, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for the 2000s. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff from the 2000s honestly sucked. Yeah. But I was just like, you know what? Because on my iPad, before I go to bed sometimes, I'll play like old 2000s video games. Or I've got yeah. the re-release of Jack and Daxter or Sly Cooper. I'm like, you know what? There was something magical about those. There is definitely not a lot I feel super nostalgic for. Because as I was talking about last episode, I think that the late 2000s is kind of a deep a, a dive for video games, in my opinion. Like, I'm super happy with the era of video games that we're in now compared to some yeah, past Yeah, I think era. the stuff we get now and, is better. And, but... uh, there, like, there's just a lot of, like, uh, in general, TV is really good right now um oh um this is kind of because you were mentioning the 2000s i think sometimes i feel a weird nostalgia for like 2000s youtube and online video i feel <laughs> really nostalgic for that sometimes whether it be not necessarily the viral stuff but like the more like niche indie film youtube stuff that was in <laughs> 128 uh quality and oh, like yes. there's some there's some like old attempts at like horror series and stuff that were on early YouTube that were just charmingly bad but good. All the flash animations and stuff. Like I think that particular like Homestar Runner and stuff. Alright. If you could have a superhero period film, what superhero would you want and what time period? Okay. Okay. Kind of like how Captain America was saying World War One, World yeah. War Two, Wonder Woman, World War One, Captain Marvel, the nineties. Yeah, I would. I'm I'm starting to think real ancient. I'm going way. I'm going way back in my time for a period piece. If I could see superhero rocking it in ancient like Mesopotamia or ancient Egypt or something, <laughs> but I don't even necessarily have to go there. I could just classic say medieval times. I'd probably go, like, full-on Dark Ages, like, depressing medieval. <laughs> like, not any of that fluffy fantasy medieval. I'm talking about, like, there are people just inexplicably covered in dirt everywhere. Yes. And they're, like, uh, scything Decapitated wheat. heads on spikes yeah, or something. Yeah, is it wheat? And I would, I would go that, and then I would go... What superhero needs to really... If you're doing medieval times, you could always have Etrigan the Demon as a supporting character. Uh, that's good. Never that's good. Never heard of it. Um, that's good. <laughs> um, 
Wonder Woman's already kind of a period piece kind of thing. I think it would make sense for an Amazonian to be in that kind of setting, especially if I backtracked and chose the like ancient Mesopotamian thing. That would be sick. All right, well, my answer is is kind of going back to the year the character was originally created. I would love to see a Superman movie set in 1938. Oh, Where you have it where he's the guy sticking up for the little guy, and he you got the Great Depression going on. There's a little bit of, is, is there going to be another World War kind of hinted? I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Here's just something I've been thinking about a little bit. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. So I guess is, what is a piece of entertainment that you would want the other co-host to check out? Like for me, um, I am on a mission, darn it. Someday, I hope I say it enough to get you to read Ultimate Spider-Man, because I do think you would love that book. Okay. All right, so uh, Spider-Verse 2 is coming, 2022. Do you think Peter B. Parker will be in the film? Because we don't have really have a voice cast so far. But do you think he'll be in it? Uh... <clears throat> oh, wait, wait, what, what, what? Did, did we just get some breaking news right now? Oh, wait, you really? I think... I don't know what this is yet, but he definitely. I think I just got confirmed he's in it. <laughs> that would be crazy. Like if it broke true. today. Uh, that's crazy. If if you like, he. There's an interview where he says it. Apparently, that came out. Yeah, today. Wait. So wait. What exactly uh, is the context of the article? I think we need to go over this now. Okay, so if you go to Wikipedia, oh my god, I thought we were going to talk about <laughs> the Spider-Man 3 trailer. No, screw that. Jake Johnson is back as Peter B. Parker. Oh wow. my god. So if you go to the Spider-Verse 2 um, I see. Wikipedia okay. page, do you see the um, reference they have? Yeah, sweet. So there's a link to a YouTube video, and it sounds like in the video he confirms it. Huh. Yeah, well, I've been working on a contract. I believe Peter B. Parker is making a return. Oh, thank you very much. There's my little scoop. Thank you very much. Okay, he's working on a contract, and it sounds like he'll be back. Sweet. I hope... Um. Well, I guess we don't really need to waste time on that question, then. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, thoughts on it? Um, in my opinion, like, Spider-Man 2, in my opinion, is the best Spider-Man movie, but Jake Johnson, in my opinion, is the best version of Spider-Man. Yeah, I I love him as Spider-Man, and I would only ever wish for more, so that it's incredibly cool. Yes. So, man, wow. This is why you check the news. All right, let's wrap this up with, we're celebrating, let's wrap this up. What's the most underrated Disney film? What's For me, I'll say Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay, I'm going to say Treasure Planet. I know it was what? considered, I know 
it's consideration. <laughs> I like Treasure Planet. Okay. It's a Treasure good answer. Planet. It's it was. The, I was shocked. That that is a good answer. When I'm what? That is a good answer. It was a passion project uh, that no one cared about and changed the course of future animated. It's like one of the last yes. 2D ones, wasn't it? Yeah. I like Shredder. And you wonder why, because it kind of killed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. It's the one that killed the 2D movies, and I... I think Home on the Range also did that, too. Yeah. God, they... No wonder I don't look back on the 2000s fondly. They put out some crap in the 2000s. Yeah, I don't... I just don't think Treasure Planet was very wide audience. I mean, maybe I, maybe if I went back and watched it, I would not think it's as good. But I always, you as a kid, what? I loved I only it. Saw it. I only saw it once, and I saw it when I was, like, really sick. So maybe I, I, it should be on Disney+, Plus, but... Yeah. But, yeah, so there we go, guys. Oh, my God, my heart is soaring with the noose. That the best version of Spider-Man is coming back. Man. Screw whatever No Way Home's gonna do. Yeah. Oh my god. You know what? This is a this is a great time for Marvel animation. <laughs> Let's just say right. it. This, this right now, we got yeah. we got some exciting stuff these coming. Past couple episodes are evidence of that. Yes, also some great DC animation stuff. So guys, there we go. Wow, we got some breaking wasn't expecting it, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rarely happens right when we're recording, but I'm glad that it did. So that was a rabbit Comment hole section. doozy. Yes. Comment section episode seventy four. We'll have to think of something yeah. for seventy five. We gotta yeah. do something. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to think of something. I I don't know what yes. seventy five warrants, but it's got to be something. Yes, it's a nice little in between fifty and hundred could be the new mutants one that's always a fun oh, idea yes. um could be just a a whole episode uh about bad journalism who knows oh we got this covered special. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually cover the news and pretend to be yeah that we believe them. or maybe it's the one where we finally get kevin conroy on donald glover our dream guests Oh, exactly. Wouldn't that be great? What would Batman say to Lando Calrissian? Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say poker? what will actually they can reenact. Oh man, if you if they reenact the episode of Community where Abed is Batman the whole time, uh, and <laughs> Troy, uh, they, they need to reenact the scene at the end of that episode. Hey, can I can I ask you something? I always wanted to ask the real Batman. Yeah. Why are your movies so good? Uh, before we go, I need to give a quick shout-out to something. We spoke about the nostalgia for the Dark Knight Rises trailers. Yeah. Great trailers for a terrible movie. The Hub Network. It doesn't exist anymore. But the week of the Dark Knight Rises, they had a Batman the Animated Series marathon. They took scenes from Batman the Animated Series and had Kevin Conroy record Christian Bale's dialogue from the trailer <laughs> so you have really Christian ba- i mean you have kevin conroy saying why didn't you just kill me <laughs> or something and you have um the girl played catwoman come, comes back um alfred the actor it was his last time playing alfred before he passed away and it's so great and he's like you hear like the 90s alfred saying 
I won't bury you. I've buried enough members <laughs> of the Wayne family. Wow. That's awesome. And then the great, the great, you know, we had not everything, not yet, but we have the best Batman actor of all time say, not everything, not yet. It was so awesome. So check it out. It's still on YouTube. The Hub wow. no longer exists, but their YouTube page still does. So That's awesome. check that out. <laughs> and maybe when you do check that out, you'll look over and you'll see something that is kind of on topic, but not really. And when you click on that, you'll realize, what? What is going on? Where have I traveled? You'll realize, because it's a quick trip sometimes. Sometimes you never know where it's going to go. And that's the best part. Because you'll realize that you have fallen down that rabbit hole. <laughs>